Attention all personnel. Incoming podcast. This is MASH Matters. We're so cool, as you can see, we are episode 93. What do you think? Oh, wow. Not only only do we provide incredibly interesting information about that massive, wonderfully delicious television show, MASH, but we provide rhymes. How? Who else? Who else does that? I like to drop some fresh rhymes every now and then. Yes, uh, actually, that's not fresh at all because I was the class of '93, so that was our class chant. We're so cool, as you can see, we're the class of '93. Oh. I just uh, repurposed it for this particular episode. Is that called cheating? Uh- <laughs> It's it's not plagiarism. It's inspiration. Inspirationism. Okay. I'll go with that. Yeah. I'm there. Well, here we are. Episode 93 of MASH Matters. Hello, everybody. My name is Ryan Patrick, alongside my friend, Mr. Jeff Maxwell. How are things, Jeff, in your tent? Not not bad. It's a little cold and kind of drafty, and it's nice and green and has Mm -hmm. an interesting green tint to it. How are the rats? Not bad with garlic and butter, if you get them. (laughs) No, I'm fine. I'm just fine. Looking forward to our podcast today. Yeah, and uh, as usual, we are going to start this episode uh, talking about some comments and questions from past episodes. Before we jump into an ever-increasing in size uh, pile of listener comments and questions. You frightened me there for a minute. Oh, sorry. (laughs) I was worried. Sorry about that. Let's jump in here. Uh, Rick sent us a message saying, Dear Ryan and Salkowitz, (laughs) thank you for your 50th anniversary podcast. It was fascinating to listen to, and the clips from each episode made it even better. As a former statistician uh, for a small college athletics department, I broke it down a little and I thought I'd share. By season, season one had nine episodes, the most. Season two had six episodes. There were seven from season three, four episodes from four, four from five, four from season six, four from season seven. Then we had five episodes from season eight, two episodes from season nine, two episodes from season 10, and three episodes from season 11. That was our top 50. Rick goes on to say, did you know, because of the various multi-part episodes, the top 50 contained 58 30-minute episodes. Seasons 1 through 3, the Colonel Blake and Trapper seasons, held 22 of the 50 spots. Season 4 through 11, the Colonel Potter BJ seasons had 28. And seasons 1 through 5, the Frank Burns years got 30 of the 50, leaving 20 for the Charles Emerson Winchester III seasons. Personally, I was surprised that season 9 had only two shows, mostly because they came back-to-back and are my two personal favorites, Death Takes a Holiday and A War for All Seasons. I know this is weird, and I admit it, but it's also what I did for a living for so many years. I wanted to share and see if any of it interested you. My goodness. Well, Rick... It didn't interest me at all. But thank you for sharing, Rick. We really appreciate that. No, No, it did interest me. It was very interesting. Season one having nine episodes in the top 50. Mm -hmm. And that number just started to dwindle (laughs) as the seasons went on. Wow, that is interesting. Yeah. 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 And you could argue that MASH didn't really become MASH until season two when Private Igor came on. Of course. Yeah. Or Private Salkowitz, who, you know, my alter <laughs> Both ego. Of them. 
Yeah. <laughs> Your evil twin, yeah. Salkowitz, just looked like you with a goatee, right? Yeah. <laughs> hey, Rick, are you available to do my income tax? Because this is pretty impressive what you do. It is. It is. Well, gosh, let's move along to Brendan. Hey, guys, in regards to you guys talking about possibly starting a MASH Matters Discord service, it would be a great idea as it would bring the MASH Matters community together. However, it's a bit of work as the server would need a team of moderators to watch over the server while you guys are gone. Where are we going? Are we going somewhere? Uh, <laughs> evidently. Anyway, evidently. And of course, there is the decision on what text and voice chat channels to have in your server, but you can probably get some recommendations from the community. I do not own a server myself, but I have tried to make a server and am part of a couple of servers, so maybe I can help make a server as I have a lot of free time on my hands. Still loving the podcast from Winnipeg. Ah, well, uh, as I was a server on MASH, I can actually speak to this. Uh, Brendan, uh, quite frankly, um, I have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. So <laughs> I'll, let, <laughs> I'll let Ryan talk to the. I have no idea what a Discord server is or any well, of that. Well, so thankfully, you, there are people out there who do know what a Discord server is and do know <laughs> all the ins and outs and the whatnots that go into creating a Discord server. And so because of Brendan's message and messages like his, the interest that people have had in a MASH Matters Discord server, I am pleased to announce that we are not going to have a MASH Matters Discord server because it scares the heck out of me and confuses me and I don't know what I'm doing. Thank you. Thank you. May I ask, you know, the thumbnail sketch, what is a Discord server? The way I understand it is it, it is an online community. It is a place where people can go and they can log on to a particular server. It's like a big, giant convention of people who want to be in this big virtual room and talk to people who are interested in the same things they're interested in. Uh, in this case, it would be MASH. MASH fans coming together under the MASH Matters Discord server that is non-existent and will never exist at this point. But hypothetically, that's where they would be. Now, I'm guessing, I don't know, I've never been on Discord. I'm, I'm, I'm old, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I think of myself as a little slightly more technically advanced than some people, mm -hmm. but when it comes to this, I don't have a clue, clue. not yeah. a clue. And the fact that it's a lot of work and uh, you would need a team of moderators and, you know, we do good to get these episodes out every two weeks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if yes, we can, <laughs> we, do. we crawl our, our way through this. I mean, yeah, fingernails yeah. grabbing the wall and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just not going to happen. But yeah. if you are on discord and there is a mashed community out there, I encourage it. Maybe I can figure out how to get onto a MASH Discord server myself and log on and see what's going on. But as far as us hosting one, it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Wow. Very interesting. No, I had no idea what it was. It sounds like a big uh, party line, you know, like yeah, yes. party. everybody's talking and saying stuff and or prison. It sounds like prison. <laughs> You're all in there together talking about, I want to get out of here. You have a common theme. 
I don't know if I would liken it to prison. Well, Actually, no, maybe you're onto something. <laughs> the more I think about it. Yeah. Well, the word discord, you know, I don't know. It seems to fit with yeah. prison. <laughs> All right. Moving uh, on. Uh, Mike writes, hey, Jeff and Ryan, I listened to the top 50 episode countdown the other day. I've got a correction in discussing the general flipped at dawn. Ryan made a comment about this being Harry Morgan's first comedy role. Unless I misheard you, I have to point out several films. The Flim Flam Man, Support Your Local Sheriff, Support Your Local Gunfighter, among others. If I didn't hear you correctly, my apologies. As always, I love the podcast and enjoy listening to you guys. Take care. Here's looking up your old address. Okay. Well, thank you, Mike. So I had to go back and re-listen to what I said because <laughs> I had no idea what I said. And uh, you did mishear me, Mike. Let's just go back to the Wayback Machine here. And a man wow. who's not necessarily known for comedy up to that point. He had been, yep. you know, in serious, serious films and, yeah. and he had been on Dragnet for many years. He was yep. not known as a comedian necessarily. No, so here he is no. playing a very wacky character. <laughs> And so there you go. I didn't necessarily say it was his first comedy role, just that when you think of comedy, you didn't necessarily first think of Harry Morgan. Mm -hmm. Would you agree, Jeff? Uh, uh, yes, I would. Uh, I mean, I remember Harry Morgan from, oh gosh, was it December Bride? Was that the series? Oh my gosh, I don't, he was I the, don't even know that one. Oh gosh, December Bride with um, Spring Byington. She was the actress and she was really cute. Now she was, I think they were a married couple and I think it was kind of a sitcom. He was a cute husband and she was a cute wife and they did wacky things. So from way back then, I guess I would have thought that he was able to do that. Hmm. But but it's still, even so, you still didn't automatically assume that he was a comedic actor, really. Mm -hmm. He didn't really do that because he was in so many incredibly dramatic, powerful movies. Yeah, I think of him from the old black and white films, and I think of him from Dragnet. Yeah. That wasn't a laugh a minute show. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> I had never heard of December Bride. I just looked it up. American sitcom aired on CBS from 1954 to 1959, and uh, he played Pete Porter, an insurance agent who lived I guess next door to the main characters. Oh, okay. And then there was one more, Pete and Gladys. Yes. Okay. So we have Lily and Ruth and Matt and Hilda and Pete is what I'm seeing here is like the main cast, the characters you had. For the show Pete and Gladys? Oh, no, this is for December Bride. Oh, December Bride. There was a show called Pete and Gladys also? He Pete and Gladys, I believe. I think that well, was- I have to look that one up. Yeah. <laughs> We'll be right back to the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Look up Pete and All Gladys. All right. So, okay. So, Pete and Gladys, an American sitcom, aired from 1960 to 1962 for two seasons, starred Harry Morgan and Kara Williams. Ah, yes. Kara Williams. I had a crush on Kara Williams. So, this was a spinoff? Well, I- I guess so. He played Pete Porter. Yes. I had no idea that, that I had just assumed that Aftermath was the only real spinoff that he was ever in, but I'm wrong. Yeah. No. He was a spin-off kind of guy. <laughs> he was uh, always spinning off. <laughs> way off. Yeah. You know, I didn't I didn't remember that when we were doing this the the first time about, you know, and you made those comments which were very astute certainly. Mm -hmm. But now I'm remembering all of this because um you know, uh, our good friend Mike is kind of pointing out various things that may disrupt our accuracy. You know, I don't think that it takes a lot to disrupt our accuracy, Jeff. <laughs> 
just a slight sway in the breeze will throw us right into the right into the river. Okay. Frank writes, Jeff and Ryan, it's your old buddy and favorite ESPN producer live from Bristol, Connecticut. When I wrote last year, I neglected to tell you that, yes, indeed, I live in our beloved Gary Berghoff's hometown. In fact, I drive through Forestville on my way to work all the time. I thoroughly enjoyed the Top 50 Countdown episode while simultaneously kicking myself for not voting. The list was impressive. And if you'll indulge me, here is my personal top five. Number five, Big Mac. Number four, Tuttle. Number three, Adam's Ribs. Number two, Abyssinia Harry. <laughs> Abyssinia. <laughs> Abyssinia Pete and Gladys. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm a Henry. There you go. And no- <laughs> Thanks. Number one, sometimes you hear the bullet. All right. Notice I left off goodbye, farewell, and amen. That was probably the toughest call. It lives within my top 10 for sure. In fact, if I laid out my top 50, a fair number of episodes would have come from the Potter Winchester BJ years. For today, at least, that's where I'll hang my hat, or Igor's cap, if you will. And by the way, Ryan, if you still want to do a podcast of our least favorite episodes, I think that would be kind of fun. Call it the best of the worst. Our job is to name just one episode that is our least favorite and why. I'd be curious to see what we as fans produce. So as Sidney Friedman would say, take my advice, pull down your pants, and slide on the ice. Until next time, gents, your humble, now five-time Emmy award-winning producer. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Gee. How about that? Wow. That means between you, me, and Frank, we've won five Emmy awards. Yes. How about right. that? Now, is that award-dropping, what he just said? He is. Absolutely. You He's know what? When dropping. you win five Emmys, you can say whatever you want to say and drop that whenever you want to drop. I guess you can. Congratulations on your fifth Emmy, Frank. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, winning five Emmys is, is a darn good thing to do if you're yeah. in this business. Pretty good. It's pretty good. He's got some game. Yeah. You know, yeah. what's great about his top five is it really wouldn't have changed the top 50 at all. I think all of his were in the top 10. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, it mm-hmm. really wouldn't have changed anything. So don't don't mm-hmm. kick yourself, Frank. No. You're mentioning, uh, and we did say it in jest, about doing an episode where we talk about people's least favorite episodes. I am intrigued by that idea. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a least favorite episode. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of them is probably going to be dreams, but you know, that's fine. Uh, Dreams and Hawkeye are are the ones that always take a beating. I also don't want to necessarily, you know, throw dirt on the grave of of (laughs) the people who (laughs) created these episodes as well. Mm, So um, what do you think about that idea, Jeff? I I am intrigued as well. I think it's an interesting uh, look at at the other side of MASH, the dark Mm -hmm. side of MASH, perhaps. Mm Uh, yeah. And of course, maybe we could suggest that dreams and Hawkeye are not to be included Ah, in those lists. Off the table. Aside from dreams and Hawkeye. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that would clear things up. That's a good point. Maybe we could do Mm. that. Okay. So I'll tell you what, we'll let that kind of simmer in the old brain pot here and we'll see, uh, maybe, maybe we'll do that here coming up in the next few episodes. Thanks, Frank. Give yourself another Emmy, Frank. Congratulations. Great idea. All right. So here, this is a longer message, but there's some really good stuff in here. This is from Eric. And Eric, by the way, has a great website called themashhistorian.com. This guy, Eric, who is one of our, our Patreon VIPs also, 
He has amassed and continues to collect. It, it is a very impressive collection of MASH memorabilia and MASH history. And so go to the MASHhistorian.com. But he has some insight here that I thought was really interesting. He says, hello, Jeff and Ryan. Excuse me. <laughs> that, that came out of nowhere. Okay. Yeah, leave me. that in. Please leave that in. <laughs> okay. I should put a trigger warning at the top. There's some bodily functions in this episode. I just listened to episode 89, which was great as always, and heard the question about Klinger's reaction to his own line at the end of the episode. Ryan, you mentioned that you didn't have the script to see how it was written. Well, I do. I pulled out the script and the last page is the tag. The reaction scripted after Klinger tells Thermopolis to stuff it is he collapses. So I think there are three possibilities here. One, there is a revised page 34 that I do not have in this copy of the script where the reaction was changed. Two, Jamie Farr reacted differently and they just left it in the episode. And three, this one seems the most likely after Klinger's eyes go really big, the scene freeze frames and the credits begin. It is possible that Klinger reacted the way he did and then collapsed as written, but the collapse was cut out in favor of the freeze frame. Unfortunately, we do not have a clear answer to the question, even in the script. So hopefully I didn't just ruin a marriage. <laughs> that's, a, that's a call back to a previous episode. He also attached a, a photo of that script page, and we'll, we'll put that in the show notes for this episode. And he goes on to say, this is really interesting. I also have some thoughts on the email about the mash items at the Smithsonian. As a historian, I took several historic preservation classes, and clothing and items like television sets are very difficult to preserve because they were temporary and never meant to last. After MASH concluded, most of the sets were deconstructed and destroyed. The props were returned to a prop house where they would be used later in other productions and were likely eventually discarded or sold at surplus sales. The Smithsonian Institution has warehouses across the country that store the collections they hold. They are all kept within archival standards, temperate, humidity levels, etc., to ensure that they are preserved for future generations. I do wish they had brought out the MASH items for the 50th anniversary, but there are archival rules on how long and how often certain types of items can be displayed in public settings. It is possible that quickly built sets are now much harder to preserve due to their temporary nature, and displaying them now could endanger their future. I applaud the Smithsonian for keeping items from MASH as this ensures that they are in the collection, a collection that by law belongs to the American people forever. Unlike private museums, items in the Smithsonian's can never be discarded or sold. I worked with a small private museum that recently sold off some of its items, and that is not possible with the Smithsonian. Even if we can't see them, I'm happy to know that the sets, a full set of MASH scripts, the collection of interviews that Larry Gelbar and Gene Reynolds conducted for research, and hundreds of props and wardrobe items are safely preserved in the collection for generations to come. Wow. I thought that was fascinating. That was really interesting because it's very easy for us to just say, come on, Smithsonian, you got them, bring them out, put them up, let's see them. Yeah, right. It's just simply not that easy. Wow. It's really being protective of those things. That That is interesting. I had no idea. No idea. So again, the mashhistorian.com. Uh, I recommend it. I'll put the link to that in the show notes. And Eric, you do a great job with that. So thank you. Thank you for your notes. Yeah. Thanks, Eric. I, I, I learned something today, which is yeah. quite unusual for me <laughs> to actually learn <laughs> anything. <laughs> That's how our listeners feel about this podcast usually. Uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. I don't usually learn anything, but this was fun. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> Today is a different day on the Mash Matters podcast. 
Anne Marie says, hi, Mash Matters. I just listened to the latest episode, the We Don't Know one, and really enjoyed it. I think I know something you didn't, though, or no, <laughs> that was a lie. I don't know either, but I do have a theory. When it comes to why they chose the color red for the red party, I think it is simply because red and green are on opposite sides of the color wheel. Red is anti-green, literally, and as opposite colors, they create some nice visuals when put together. Red may not be the most logical color to pick for characters who spend their days with blood up to their elbows, but from an aesthetical point of view, it is the color that pops the most in contrast to green. Had they used blue or yellow that are close to green, it would simply not have the same impact on screen. So I think it was more of an aesthetical choice than a logical one, and it was based on how it would look on screen and not what the characters would realistically have wanted to see. That is my theory, and I'm sticking to it. As always, <laughs> thank you for the podcast. I always enjoy it. Take care. Marie. Thank you for that. That theory is shared by Crystal. Also, she writes and says, Hi, Jeff and Ryan. I'm currently listening to episode 89, and someone asked why MASH chose red instead of another color in Peace on Us. I wondered that as well, because blood, but decided that the powers that be probably chose red because it is the opposite of green on the color wheel. If Hawkeye is sick of green, then do the opposite of green, red. Also, if they hadn't chose red, they would have needed a different ending because I don't think anyone in the army had naturally blue hair. <laughs> Good point, Crystal. All right. So there you go. Crystal, Marie, thank you. That may have solved why they chose red for that particular episode. Now, wouldn't this be wonderful if Crystal and Marie could go into Discord and really, you know, really get into this and everybody could... No, I think it was We're mob. not going to start a Discord channel, Jeff. We're not going to do it. <laughs> and Anita says, hi, Jeff. Hi, Anita. I always wondered two things. First, did any one of the cast ever stay out at the filming outside site in any of the tents overnight? <laughs> and <laughs> I could just see Loretta out there in her tent you know, with the coyotes <laughs> and the wolves. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and the swamp were all those scenes filmed in the studio. I love you in MASH. Well, Anita, I love you where you are, too. <laughs> OK, first of all, no, nobody ever stayed outside at the uh, outside site. I'm, we're talking about the former Fox Ranch, I guess, where uh, Ryan, you and I were out recently and had a good time. Right. Uh, no, nobody ever stayed outside there in any of the tents. They all wanted to get home as quickly as possible to get away from the yellow jackets and the, the wolves and the squirrels. <laughs> uh, so no, nobody stayed. A cute idea, though. You know, now it would be kind of fun because there would be no pressure. You wouldn't have to do anything. You just get out there pop your tent up and lay out there, but still, you know, it's kind of, it's out in the middle of nowhere and it's, mm -hmm. it's a little dicey to camp out there. And the swamp were all those scenes filmed in the studio. I'm assuming we're talking about the scenes in the swamp, uh, the exterior of the swamp. A lot of the scenes were filmed at the Fox Ranch of the exterior of the swamp. So if you see a character walking across the compound, walking up to the door, opening the door, 
that was shot at the ranch, but then at when the it would go to the inside of the swamp, that was typically filmed on stage nine, right? Yeah. Cut to stage nine, cut to the swamp set. Yeah. Because it could be controlled better. The light could be controlled in the thing and they wouldn't have to take all the swamp uh, furniture and put it out at the ranch and then pack it all up and bring it into the set. They just kept everything on stage nine and just use the exterior of the swamp for exactly what you said. You walk up to it, open the door at the Fox Ranch and boom. Boom, suddenly inside, when they come in the door, they're coming into the set on stage nine. That's how that worked. Magic. Magic. Movie magic in the making. <laughs> Mash movie magic. Thank you, Anita. All right, moving on. Uh, Jillian. Now, <laughs> okay, so Jillian sent us this message and says, my friend who doesn't watch Mash tried to guess the names of some of the characters. So here we go. Settle in, Jeff. So this is her friend just trying to guess the characters' names just by looking at them. Hawkeye was Germany. (laughs) Margaret was Janet. BJ was Kevin. Mulcahy was Steve. (laughs) It gets weirder. Potter was Joseph. Charles was Stan. Klinger was Roger. Radar was, quote, he doesn't have a name. He looks like he doesn't deserve one. (laughs) Trapper was, quote, that one guy from Elf, whose name I forgot. His name is Elf. (laughs) Frank was something that starts with a T. Henry was Bill. Kelly was Christmas. Sydney was Jeffrey. Igor was, wait for it, another Jeff. (laughs) Rizzo was Carl. Flag was Henry. Sophie was Hans. Zale was Beef. (laughs) And Rosie was Female Beef. I thought you'd get a laugh out of this. At least she got Jeff's name right. Yeah. (laughs) Jillian, I want to thank you for what is quite possibly the strangest message we have ever received here at MASH Matters. Thank you to your friend, your friend who is going nameless here. I'd come up with a name for her, but um, I don't think she deserves one. No. <laughs> and I don't understand why they're friends if she doesn't watch MASH. I mean, what, hey, what good point. the point? Why get good together point. with her? Jillian, pick better friends. Jillian. Goodness. <laughs> right? Pick better friends. Uh, okay. Oh, so right. let's oh, now yeah. list some names that are real and are very important to us. <laughs> All right. Let's salute our wonderful Patreon VIPs. And we're going to start with Private Jim Bessemier. Private Amy Chapman. Private Mike Thomas. Corporal Chad Purveyance. Corporal Barbara Neewig. Corporal Bob Borgen. Captain Greg Hall. Captain Tammy Davenport. Captain David Mann. Major Megan Bridget. And the wonderful Major Mark Reed. Thank you all. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for supporting MASH Matters on Patreon. You too can support the show for as little as $3 a month, and you can unlock some really cool perks. You can find out more at mashmatters.com slash support. Are we still giving away those Chevrolets, or are we not doing that anymore? We are fresh out of the Chevrolets. We're out of them. Yeah, and the Teslas are on back order, so. Yeah, can't do that. Hey, you never know what we're going to do over there on Patreon. (laughs) We never know what we're going to (laughs) do on Patreon. (laughs) (laughs) We're not sure what's coming up next. It's anybody's guess, really. Uh, What is coming up next right now is a voicemail. Here is CJ. G'day, Ryan and Jeff. CJ here from Australia. Big, big fan of MASH and have been for my whole life. I remember watching the show when I was eight years old and was around the first time I started watching it and I have watched it from first season to the final season numerous times over and I love the podcast so I thought I'd give you guys a ring from sunny Australia. My question is for Jeff 
And that question is, did, did you anticipate the massive following that MASH would gather, more or less you could say a cult following um, over the years and over the decades, because it is still very much alive in the community of MASH. Uh, just wanted to say, Jeff, love, love, love MASH. Been a big fan all of my life. And also, Ryan, well done on getting the podcast up and going. I know you guys are 80-plus episodes deep, but I've only just stumbled across it this week, so I'm very excited to get amongst it and start, you know, listening to the entire backlog. Take care, guys, and, yeah, have a good one. CJ, thanks so much for leaving a message. And hey, thank you for being a listener way far away. I mean, my gosh, Australia is a beautiful, wonderful country. I, I was there once and had a wonderful run in with a koala bear and some great food and really wonderful people. And and the water does go the opposite way in the toilet, actually, when you flush it. So <laughs> but you know that I but I didn't know I had to play with it a few times. Anyway, CJ, um, if I haven't offended you so far, let me continue. Uh, yes, I I was a bit flabbergasted by the, quote, cult-like following that MASH really developed into. Certainly, and I've said this before, when we're all working on the soundstage, stage nine, you know, you get there at seven and you leave at seven or whatever your time frame is, and you're in a big room and you're talking to people, and then you, you're there early in the morning and you leave and it's dark out at night. And you go home and you have dinner and you have a life and that's pretty much it. Certainly as the show progressed and got more and more popular, it won awards and Emmys and all kinds of things. But um, even so, you still didn't have a sense that it was going to really grow into the cult following, as you say, that it has. Certainly I'm thrilled uh, that it has, not for me, but for me and Ryan, because it gives us something to do every couple of days. <laughs> Had it not, we've been sitting here playing with our toes. So, um, no, it really has been very impressive the way it's grown into it. And I'm very, very happy for all of the people who produced it, who wrote the shows, and they spend a lot of time. And it's, a, it's not that easy to sit down and write a brilliant 30-minute television show. So the, for the people who are so brilliant at doing that, their work lives on and people can see it, even though it was, you know, it ended in 1983, it's still so popular and it, it gives me joy that all of those people and all that work uh, still lives on and people can enjoy it and appreciate it. And so for all the actors and all the writers and all the producers and all the directors and all the people that poured their heart and the, for the crew, for everybody that poured their heart and soul into making that 26 minute episode. That's what I'm so pleased that it has really acquired this cult following and is still so popular and will continue to be so because I think the themes that MASH talked about are universal and uh, timeless. So thank you for watching. We're so glad you did. And thank you for listening to the podcast and keep doing it. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> okay. What I said was. <laughs> Uh, no, well said. Well said. Thank you, CJ, for the voicemail. Let's move on. Julie writes, Goodbye Radar Part 2. I have seen this episode a hundred times. I have just noticed in the scene where the doctors operate by headlight that an x-ray is being held in the background next to Hawkeye. My question is, how can they take an x-ray without electricity? Love the podcast. Keep up the good work. Julie, great question. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. 
They were hoping you wouldn't notice, Julie, but you did. (laughs) You cracked the code. You did it. You're on to them. Yeah. Wow. I have no idea. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Really? Yeah. That's a discovery. I wouldn't have thought about that. It's a great question. Great question. Uh, They do that with no electricity. (laughs) And Kyle says, in season four, episode one of MASH, welcome to Korea. Radar says there is a real grape flavor in grape knee-high. However, I just found some at Cracker Barrel, and it says that it is artificially flavored. So either the formula changed or it was always artificially flavored. MASH's lack of continuity continues. So, first of all, um, I have to go into the Cracker Barrel uh, (laughs) reference. Yes. And we would need to investigate uh, exactly what Cracker Barrel is doing with the grape knee high. (laughs) Well, Um, they're selling it. They're selling it. Oh, okay. You can can actually find bottles of grape knee high for sale in in Cracker Barrels across the country. Okay. So either the formula changed or it was always artificial flavor. Now, we have to look at the difference and the disparity in years here. (laughs) The Korean War was, uh, you know, ended, I believe, or was stopped in 1953, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. Now, I am assuming that Kyle did not go into a Cracker Barrel and have grape knee-high in 1953. I would assume not, no. Okay. So that would mean he's somewhere in 2021, 2022. Now, I I can't do the math real quickly, but from 1953 to 2021 is a, is a number of years past. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right? yes. That math checks out. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so one could assume that perhaps from 1953 to 2022, there may be a slight change in the formulaic process uh, when they produced grape knee high. Yes. I rest my case. Well, I did a little mini deep dive on Nehi and uh, <laughs> really could not find any evidence that they ever used real grape flavor in grape Nehi. And you would have to think it's grape soda. There's no real flavor in any soda. It's all artificial, right? <laughs> I mean, true. come on. Yeah, right. But I did find out a few things that I didn't know about Nehi. In fact, the name. So back in the 20s, this guy named Claude Hatcher, he had what he called, it was called the Cherocola plant. Hmm. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right or not. Cherocola. And he overheard a salesman saying that the competitor's bottle was so big as in tall, it was knee high. And he thought that was catchy. And so that's why he named it Nihai. Mm. Grape Nihai introduced in 1924. So it predates the Korean conflict by almost 30 years. The line became so successful, they actually changed the name of the company from Cherocola to the Nihai Corporation. In case you're wondering, the current ingredients in Nihai grape soda are as follows. (laughs) Carbonated water, sugar, artificial flavors, phosphoric acid, citric acid, potassium benzoate, which is a preservative, red dye number 40, and blue dye number one. (laughs) There you go. In case you want to make your own grape Nihai at home, that's what you need. (laughs) Yes. Now... (laughs) Now, okay, I have to go back to, uh, was there grape juice produced in 1953? That's one question I have, which Mm -hmm. we can get to later. Um, (laughs) And if there was actually real grapes in the grape knee-high, could we assume it was 
possibly wine, or then it would be considered wine instead of <laughs> knee high or grape. I don't know. I'm just asking. I'm not, you know, judging or anything. I'm not suggesting. I'm going to throw it out to uh, the mash audience. If yeah. you know any more about knee high and real grape flavor and whether or not Cracker Barrel has any uh, hand in this conspiracy, <laughs> please let us know. <laughs> mash matters podcast at gmail.com. Well, let's move on. Let's move on. Please. Mike says, hi, Jeff and Ryan. I was listening to the most recent episode of the podcast and was floored to hear my silly little question about where the regular PA announcements are coming from, if not from the company clerk's office. I just wanted to express how much it meant to me to know how you do, in fact, consider all questions, no matter how insignificant they may seem. I've been watching MASH since it was first run. I was 12 years old in 1983. Since then, I have kept up with it in all of its various media iterations. My questions are ultimately insignificant, but 40 years is a long time. It's been well documented that MASH was consistently the show that didn't worry too much about continuity and timelines and or character bios were often overlooked or rewritten for the sake of a good or convenient storyline. So while I know full well that this isn't the MASH Continuity Matters podcast, (laughs) I won't bore you with questions about the name or names of Henry Blake's wife, how long Potter actually served in the military, or how he and Mildred were actually together. I won't spend an ounce of breath on Radar's status as a virgin, cigar smoker, and drinker of things other than grape knee-high, or how one episode will show Korea's weather as being too hot while the next episode is showing Korea as seeming arctic the podcast is appointment listening for me and i just wanted you both to know how much it means to me and i imagine all of your listeners that we are considered and appreciated the appreciation is reciprocated and i wish you both the very best thank you mike we do look at every question that comes in we do consider every question that comes in Mm -hmm. and um yes there is such a thing as a a dumb question but (laughs) As you know, by listening to this podcast, there is also such a thing as a really dumb answer. Answer. (laughs) We're all in this together. So thank you. Thank you, Mike, and everybody who submits these questions. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And I think we've proven that by virtue of all the questions we've asked today. (laughs) Yes. Yes. We'll we'll take anything. And the answers that we've given, too. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Let's go back to the phones. Here is Samantha. Hi, Jeff and Ryan. This is Samantha Orchard from Coquille, Oregon. My question is this. Do you know how Hawkeye felt or may have felt when he was named chief surgeon, but more importantly, how Frank felt not getting the recognition he probably felt he deserved? I love your podcast. Have a nice day. See, we consider all questions here all on questions. Smash Matters. So, Samantha, first of all, thank you for listening. Thank you for calling. It is hard to say what a fictional character felt when a particular incident happens on the series. We know Hawkeye was reluctant. We know that Frank was not happy, but we don't know much more than that. We can always just consider our own opinion of what these characters were thinking, how they felt. My personal take on the whole situation is Frank really wanted to be chief surgeon, but he only wanted to be chief surgeon for the title. 
He didn't care necessarily about the responsibilities that come with being a chief surgeon. In fact, Frank probably did not want the responsibilities associated with being chief surgeon. He just wanted the power and the title. Hawkeye, on the other hand, didn't care a lick about the title of chief surgeon. However, he was better equipped to handle the responsibilities of being the chief surgeon. So you have somebody who really should be chief surgeon, who is reluctant and doesn't necessarily want it to be chief surgeon. And then you have somebody who has no business being chief surgeon, but just wants to be chief surgeon to have the title chief surgeon. And I have no idea what I just said. I, I listen. I listened very carefully because I was very curious to see where you were going to go with this question. Did I answer it? You answered it beautifully. Did I really? You really did. Absolutely positive. Yes. How about that? Ryan gets one today. You answered this question beautifully. Fantastic. I'm done. You could. <laughs> you could have. Uh, it was. It sounded like you could have been sitting in the writers' room as they were coming up with the development of these characters. <laughs> I mean that. I'm serious about that. You answered it with a a, a a great deal of insight and understanding about each one of these characters as you perceive them. And uh, I, I shared your perception of how that was going on with these two characters. So, no, I'm serious. You, you, that was a great answer. Okay. Well, thank great you. Answer. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Let's move on. Let's move on to Randall. Yes. Randall says, you recently talked about the final episode and the fact that it was filmed before the final season. I've heard that the cast and crew were inundated with members of the press during the final season asking anything and everything MASH. Were you asked about what would be in the final episode? Were you sworn to secrecy? And in the same vein, what was the weirdest question a member of the press ever asked you in your career? <laughs> uh, <laughs> the weirdest question, let me start at the bottom, would, uh, would you mind stepping out of the way? That was one of the... <laughs> that's... <laughs> That was, you know, I know it was weird, but it was, <laughs> at least I was asked something. Right. Yeah, true. Yeah. You know, uh, I, yes, I, I kind of remember that there was a lot of talk about, you know, people wanting to know what happened in the last episode and so forth. Uh, honest to gosh, uh, nobody ever asked me anything. Uh, I'm sure that other actors and actresses that were part of the show may have been asked that question. Uh, but nobody ever, uh, you know, pulled me over and said, all right, give it to me straight, Jeff. Huh? Uh, nobody ever did that. I just uh, kind of went on with my life and everything was kind of cool. So, gosh, I was never sworn to secrecy. There was swearing around me, but it was never swearing me <laughs> to secrecy. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, you know, I think, I think there was a responsibility that everybody felt if you knew kind of the way it was going to end, you didn't just go off and, you know, blab it to everybody. So, yeah, I think it was a sort of a, probably a self-imposed uh, secrecy just out of respect for the show. Yeah. I mean, everybody spent 11 years doing this. They weren't going to go around, okay, the butler did it. That wasn't going to happen because you didn't want to blow it after 11 years. So there was just sort of a self-imposed respect and secrecy for, you know, how it was all going to end. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Randall, thank you for asking. Nobody asked me either, if, if anybody's curious. I was eight years old at the time. Don't understand that. After you answered yeah. that last question. 
uh, right? for Samantha so beautifully they should have. All right, let's wrap up here. This is a message from Nicole to Jeff and Ryan. This isn't an email with a question or comment for the podcast, but more of a thank you to MASH Matters and MASH for being there. I'm 38 and I've lived with severe depression for just over a decade. I have dealt with and still deal with alcohol dependency, prescription drug abuse, and a lot of other self-destructive behaviors, but somehow MASH helped me through it. At the beginning of this year, when things were really bad, I decided to watch TV shows that didn't have all the flashing lights and strobe effects to perk myself up. I have uncontrolled photosensitive epilepsy, so finding anything enjoyable is a bonus. MASH was there, and it did more than meet my needs for a non-flashy show, but it helped me also deal with my depression. Not sure why, but for some reason, Hawkeye, Hot Lips, Igor, Charles, Radar, and Colonel Potter make things bearable. Perhaps it's the trauma and chaos I feel reflected in the MASH show, seeing how it is possible to deal with desperate situations and come out with a grin on your face. This is probably not an email you are interested in reading. (laughs) Well, no, it Mm -hmm. is. But I needed to say thanks to someone, and Alan Alda and Loretta Swit aren't that easy to reach. I also want to give a big thank you to your podcast. Having epilepsy, I can't watch much television, although I love it, so having a podcast to enjoy on those off days is outstanding. Thanks, and don't ever stop being awesome. Well, Nicole, back at you. You go through a lot, you've been through a lot, and uh, a lot of listeners also have been through a lot. And MASH seems to bring a lot of comfort to a lot of people. I have said it before and I'll say it again, I think the pandemic brought a lot of people back to MASH because MASH is comfortable. MASH is like a big blanket for a lot of people, a big, warm, comfy blanket that they can wrap themselves in and feel safe and feel comfortable. And the fact that we are here on the outskirts of that comfort to celebrate this show along with all the fans, it's a responsibility that we do not take lightly and we are thankful that we are able to do it. So thank you for your kind words and please take care of yourself and don't ever stop being awesome yourself. Yeah, boy, that was beautiful. I, um, very difficult to listen to, but uh, certainly parts of it were beautiful. A million years ago, when I decided I uh, had no skills whatsoever, uh, <laughs> except that maybe I could say things and people would smile, that gave me tremendous peace. And I don't really know why it did, but it did. Mm-hmm. And so whenever I saw that response to what I could say or do, I was uh, really relieved and uh, comfortable. So my life then headed in a direction that I could keep feeling comfortable. And by doing those things over and over, I I felt comfortable being alive. Hmm. Um, Probably had I not, who knows what I would have done or where I would have gone or what I would have been involved with. That we can't imagine. But I know that because of my comfort level, I was able to do what I did. And what you say here, not sure why, but for some reason, Hawkeye Hot Lips Igor, the fact that you're including Igor in that is um, very uh, warming to me because it, it says that not only was I able to hopefully make you laugh and make you think a little bit, but hopefully laugh, that's what I did. And that's what made me feel the most comfortable. And I hope that by doing that, Apparently, I made you feel bearable and a little comfortable too. So thank you for saying that. 
like Ryan said, we wish you all the best. Keep being positive and uh, keep thinking good thoughts. Listen to those around you who love you. Uh, because that's a real big support system, and we all need a support system. Yes. No matter where we are in life, we all need that support system regarding no matter what it is, whether it's uh, religious or it's friendship or it's uh, going out to dinner or whatever it is, uh, a support system can help you. We hope that, and we feel good, I think, that, uh, you know, Ryan and I, in, in our small way, in our MASH Matters podcast, are kind of being supportive as a support system, too, because we hopefully are giving you some information and making you laugh every once in a while. Just don't look for a support system on a Discord server, <laughs> don't. because it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. <laughs> It'll just give you indigestion, and you yes. don't need that, for God's <laughs> That's sake. That's right. All right, that wraps up this episode of Mash Matters. Keep those questions and comments coming. Mash Matters Podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach us on Twitter, on Facebook, Instagram. Mash Matters Podcast.com is our website. And you can leave a voicemail under three minutes and link at 513 436 4077. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you, everybody, for writing. Thanks, everybody, for leaving messages. Um, you know, every time we do this, it's a, it's a very um, a wonderful experience. Well, maybe not every time is a wonderful experience. I mean, <laughs> let's be honest. Most times. Most but times. Most time. Yes. But I'm, I'm so grateful. This last uh, note, I'm so grateful to hear all these people. And even though you're, you know, asking questions that I don't know anything about or I can't answer, <laughs> it's wonderfully moving to me personally. And so I, I really thank you. And I'm, I think I can speak for Ryan. We love doing this. I certainly do. And and we certainly love hearing from everybody. So thank you very much. And is that a little too serious? I don't know. No. And now the Jolson medley. <laughs> rock a your baby. And now some fart sounds. <laughs> well, no. Yes. I belched earlier. That's enough. That's enough. And they all appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Until next time, here's looking up your old address. 